Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it wonderful that tonight we can experience the love of God? The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. God wants us to be brave. Amen. He doesn't want fear to hold us back from all that God has provided for us. Amen. Including me sharing a word with you tonight. Amen. Uh, I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, usually there's two top fears that people have. Number one, uh, most people fear death. And number two is fear of public speaking. Okay. And so um, now when I was younger, uh, before I married Pastor Tim, um, you know, most people, they fear death first and then public speaking. My was number one was public speaking and then death. I'd rather die than speak in public. And so it's interesting how God will, um, you know, choose us to do things that we normally couldn't do in our natural, you know, strength. And, um, but you know what? When we welcome God, when we welcome his spirit into our lives, we can do all things. Amen. Isn't that what the Word tells us, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, amen? And so I just want to share with you a word that I believe the Lord just laid on my heart to share. Um, and um, it's more, you know, it, it may be for most of you, it may just be a reminder. Uh, I think that so many times we can get so, um, you know, kind of off track a little bit. And um, God has made the gospel and the plan that he has for our lives so simple. Amen. And sometimes we complicate it and then, you know, we end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And God is like, that's not what I have planned for you. God wants us to stay on track. Amen. To what we're and in step with where he wants us to be. Because God has a destination for each and every one of us. God has a plan for each and every one of us. So if you're here tonight and maybe you're a little bit frustrated about the way your life is going, or maybe a little discouraged, or maybe, you know, you're not where you think you should be, um, I believe that this word is for you. Amen? So if you brought a, a, a notepad and, and something to write with, you may be uh, wanting to write down some notes um, if not, just listen very closely, and I'll be, shared, I'll be happy to share my notes with you later uh, if you would like them. But, um, you know, recently um, I shared with our, uh, I teach a prophetic class here at Christian Embassy, and I was sharing with the class, um, we were talking about the fact that the root cause of almost every social dysfunction is the lack of understanding of the love of God. And that is a powerful, powerful statement right there, which I'm going to repeat. The root cause of almost every social dysfunction is the lack of understanding of the love of God. If we could just get an understanding of the love of God, I tell you what, so many things would be solved. So many issues in our culture would be solved. Amen? If people could just get a revelation and an understanding of the love of God. And you know, that um, reminded me of the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment, which we're going to look at in Luke uh, 10, 27. Jesus answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that God wants us to be reminded tonight to go back to the basics. You know, he, he wants us to um, be reminded once again what's important in life. You know, we can get busy with so many things. We can get so distracted with so many things. And God is saying, this is what's most important to me, is that you would love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Now, have you ever wondered... How a family can raise two children in the same household, and one grows up to serve God, and one grows up to rebel against God and not serve God. How is that possible? They grew up with the same parents, same environment. You know, a great example of that is the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he decided, you know, he wanted to go and do his own thing. I believe that the root cause of the prodigal son's rebellion 
is the fact that he never got an understanding of the love of his father, of the love of God. And so God is saying tonight that if we would just get an understanding of his love, that everything else in our lives, we we don't have to worry about, you know, getting away from God. Because, you know, love, God is love. And the greatest force in this world is love. And so I believe that God is saying that, you know, when he looks at his church, when he looks at his children, he wants each and every one of us to experience his love. Amen? And since we're talking about the greatest commandment, I want us to look at the Great Commission as well. Because Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, when God calls us into a relationship with him, and he calls us to love him, and he uh, shows us his love for us, you know, he doesn't want us just to sit back, and now we're waiting for Jesus to come back. No, he has a mission for us. He has a commission. Amen? And he wants us to go and tell everyone. It's very interesting um, when we look at evangelism in America. Um, you know, we all know about Billy Graham. Billy Graham is one of the um, greatest evangelists of our generation. And um, Billy Graham even admitted that out of all the people that would come to the altar when he would give the invitation to salvation, he said that only 25% of those who came forward actually became a Christian. And then a year later, they followed up with those 25%, and they found out that only 6% of those were any different in their beliefs or behavior one year later. What happened? Those people did not get a revelation of the love of God. There's a difference between revelation and, and relationship and religion. You know, so many people, they think, if I come to, to God... You know, now it's, it's, a, it's a set of rules of do's and don'ts. And if I mess up, now God is mad at me. He doesn't love me as much as he loves somebody who behaves all the time. And we try to earn God's love rather than just freely receive it. And out of that love for him, we obey him. And so I believe that, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they come to um, uh, know the Lord, they ask Jesus to come into their heart, and, you know, a year later, they're nowhere to be found. They're, you know, doing something else. They have more important things to do than to serve God or to follow him. And why is that happening? It's because the love of God, and how does God reveal his love? You know, God revealed his love to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. And when Jesus came, he demonstrated what love was all about. Not only did he serve and he went to the unlovable, uh, to the weak, to the broken, to the hurting. Amen. Uh, He said he didn't come to the well. He came to the sick. He went to the outcast and he loved them out of their state. And he lifted the poor. Not only did he do that, but he gave his only life, his his own life for us because he loved us so much. And so now we are called what? Christians. We're followers of Christ. We are like Christ. To be a Christian means to be like Christ, to be a disciple, to be a follower. And the only way that people can experience the love of God is through us, through the church. Now, that kind of brings it to a whole different level, isn't it? Because now it's not like, well, God, how come this person can experience your love, but this person can't? It's because God uses people. There are three primary catalysts that God uses for our spiritual growth. See, when, when those people would come to the, to the front Um, to give their lives to the Lord, they were just born again, right? They were babies. And how many of you know that if you 
give birth to a baby and you just leave that baby alone without feeding that baby, without nurturing that baby, without giving that baby all that it needs, that baby is going to die. And I believe that in America, there are a lot of people who are born again, but they don't survive that baby stage. And I believe that what the Lord is saying, he's saying to the church, he's saying to you and me that it's time for us who are mature to wake up and to say, God, we have a job. We have, we have a mission to do. We are to make disciples. Isn't that what the Great Commission is? Go into all the world and make disciples. How do we make disciples? See, we're confusing evangelism and discipleship. We think that evangelism and discipleship is the same thing. But evangelism is going and telling the good news of salvation. And when people hear the good news and they say, yes, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior, now that's just the beginning. Now the discipleship kicks in where we are to teach them to obey all that Jesus has taught us, right? Isn't that what the Great uh, Commission is? And so God uses, there are three primary catalysts that God uses for our growth, and um, it's people. Uh, uh, Number two is circumstances, especially adversity. How many of you go through a tough time, you go through a terrible time in your life, and you come out better than the way you were before? I hope you have. I hope you come out better rather than bitter. Amen? God wants us to come out of adversity better, stronger. Amen? And so God will allow circumstances in our lives. See, so many times uh, people get mad at God that they have to go through tough circumstances. But see, if we know the heart of God, he doesn't enjoy watching us going through those adversity, but he will use it for our good. Amen. He didn't send the adversity, but he will use it for our good. And so when we realize, God, you're going to take this difficult situation in my life and you're going to turn it around for my good. The devil is going to be mad that he messed with me. Amen. Because I'm going to get double for my trouble. Amen. Anytime we have to go to war, spiritual warfare, that means that we are, we're winners. First of all, we're more than overcomers. We're conquerors. Amen. So that means that you go to war for something, right? That means that we advance. That means that we come out uh, with the spoil from the war. Amen. If you read the Old Testament all about warfare, you know, when God would tell his people to go to war, it was usually over land or over, you know, possessions. And they, you know, when they would win, they would take the spoil. They would take the land. And I believe that, you know, if we start looking at spiritual warfare more like, man, I'm getting ready to advance. I'm getting ready to take some new territory. God is about to release some spoil into my life, some blessings, some favor. Amen? If we start looking at, at, at it that way, we're not going to see ourselves as victims We're going to see ourselves as victors because you know what? Christ, in Christ, if we go through the battle and follow Christ and follow his instructions through the battle, we're going to come out on top. We're going to come out victorious. Amen? And so um, it's important that, you know, when so many people, when the circumstances of life are not what they thought they should be, they run from God instead of running to God. Hello? Come on, church. We got to get smart here. We got to realize that the enemy is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're not to be mad at God. We're to run to God. We're to be mad at the devil. He's the one. Amen? That's after us. And so God will use circumstances to grow us up spiritually. So that's why Paul could say, rejoice when you're going through tough times. You know, he could rejoice when he was, you know, imprisoned and when he was beaten and persecuted for preaching the gospel. To him, that was a reason to rejoice. And he he didn't allow circumstances to stop him. Actually, uh, um, 
difficult circumstances encouraged him to preach the gospel even greater. And so it should do that to us as well. And then the third is um, God will use spiritual disciplines to grow us up, to grow us up spiritually. Now, I want us to go back to uh, people, God using people to um, grow us up spiritually. And so um, I'm going to go through the four stages of parenting. How many parents do we have here in the room? Okay, so uh, some of you parents, you're still raising your children. This is going to be very good uh, information for you. Uh, some of you, maybe your kids are grown, but maybe as a grandparent, you can help your kids raise their children, um, you know, and, and give them this, this uh, piece of advice. But um, we have discovered, you know, we have children at um, different stages. We have a 12-year-old, 14-year-old, and 21-year-old. And so um, throughout the stages of our children's growth, um, we had to take on different roles in their lives. And so um, usually in parenting, um, every you know, healthy child will go through these uh, stages and require us to act accordingly. So number one stage is we as parents, we um, have to be nurturers um, to our children. When they're babies, they need nurturing and they need discipline, okay? Um, it, when they're babies, they need to be fed, they need to be loved, they need to be held. Um, you know, I, when I was a teenager with my youth group, we used to go in these orphanages back in Romania, and, you know, they used to have hundreds of babies and some of them toddlers and, you know, um, in these um, metal cribs, you know, the, the paint was spilling off of them, very sterile environment, and, you know, they used to have maybe two or three nurses, you know, that would have to take care of all these hundreds of kids. So as a youth group, we would used to go in there just to hold these babies because these babies were not getting the nurture necessary, so they were not developing properly. They were not developing mentally, emotionally, um, you know, socially. Um, you know, th there were kids that were four and five years old that because they didn't have the nurture um, necessary, they couldn't speak, they couldn't walk, okay? So what happens when we're not properly nurtured is that we develop arrested development. We are, we no longer function in a healthy way. And so um, our children between birth and, and 12 they need extra nurture. You can never love your kids too much. Amen? We always hug our kids and we kiss them. And uh, it's, it's not as much now because now, you know, we have to look up to them. Uh, they're getting so tall. But, um, you know, that's just something you can't do too much of. But also with that love comes discipline. Okay? Um, we have to have a balance of, of nurture and discipline in our children's lives. And that will set them up their first, if they get these two in their first 12 years, you have established a very healthy foundation for them to go into their teenage years. Now, to compare that to the, our spiritual growth, because we are spirit, soul, and body. And I believe that our, uh, we're a triune being, and our, you know what's in the physical is significant and it parallels with with what with our soul and with our spirit. And so spiritually, see when we're born again and if we don't have people in our lives to nurture us, to love us and to not dis discipline but to disciple us, okay? Cuz you know, it, it's there's a, a difference. But discipling is so important for people when they come to, to know the Lord. And you may be here and you may say, you know what, when I came to, to the Lord, I didn't have somebody, you know, to speak into my life, to nurture me, to uh, disciple me. And you know what, it's never too late to say, you know what, I need to be discipled. I need to get a revelation of the love of God because, you see, our children will get the revelation that they are loved, will get their identity, and they will get the understanding that they are loved by their mommy and daddy no matter what. 
in those first 12 years. If they lack the proper nurture and discipline, because discipline proves that you love children. Amen? Boundaries show children that you love them. And when you discipline, when they do something wrong and you discipline them, that's not you hating your children. That's actually you loving children. And even the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves, right? And so it's, it's, it's a loving parent that does that. And so if you didn't have that and you're saying, that's, that's my problem. That's why I, I don't really always believe that God loves me unconditionally. That's why the enemy comes in and he lies to me and he says, you know, you're not good enough or, you know, you're, you're, you messed up. So now God is mad at you. You know, how do you see God when you think of him? How, wh- what, what do you think of him? Is he loving? Is he uh, gracious? Is he merciful? Or is he mad at you? Is he too busy for you? You know, however, the, the, whatever image you received growing up of your earthly father and earthly parents is how you're going to view God. And so, you know, a lot of times we try to skip over that phase and we try to be spiritually mature, but yet we don't have the revelation of the love of God. We, we haven't experienced the love of God. So then we go into the next phase, um, which is our teenage years, okay? And in the teenage years, um, you know, we as parents, we, we become the cop, okay? So what does that mean? You know, I, I said on Sunday morning, and Morgan is not here, our 14-year-old daughter. Um, you know, she always says, Mommy, we're best friends. And uh, so I said, of course we're best friends. You know, we love doing everything together. And, um, but she didn't like the fact that I said that I was the cop, you know, she's like, wait a minute, I thought you were my best friend. And so here's what that means. When they go into their teenage years, it means that we need to monitor our children because that's when the greatest dangers are placed before them spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, in every aspect of their lives. My oldest sister, Mia, gave me the best parenting advice when my children were still small. Uh, I remember she lives on the West Coast, so I remember I was on the phone with her, and I was telling her how, you know, finally I got all the kids in bed so I could talk to her without interruptions. And so um, she said, oh, enjoy these years, because she said when they get to be teenagers, they, you need to be more involved in their lives when they're teenagers than you do when they're babies. And, you know, because she's my oldest sister, she already had the experience. She had gone through the teenage years, or she was going through the teenage years with her kids. And she's like, you know, teenagers, you need to watch them closer than you do the babies. Because at least with the babies, you put them in a crib, and you know they're good for a couple hours, you know, while they're taking their nap. Teenagers, they, you, you got to watch them. And so that was some good advice that she she gave me, and I never forgot it. And so, you know, through that phase, um, you know, we, we are to um, be aware of the dangers that are out there. And me being a cop in my teenage uh, child's life, that doesn't make me a bad person. How many of you can imagine if we didn't have police officers? What would happen? We would have crime and Everything that you can think of, right? Everybody's speeding, accidents, you know, all kinds of mess. Any cops in the house? (laughs) You know, we would thank God for the cops. They enforce the law so that we can all be safe. And so in our children's lives, when they go through these teenage years, there are all kinds of dangers around. And so we as parents, we're there to make sure that um, they're safe from those dangers. And that is the most dangerous time in, in, a, in a person's life. Because, you know, the decisions that they make during those years can influence them for the rest of their lives. And so, you know, bringing that in to our relationship with God. You know, we get, let's say we get to be teenagers in the, in the spiritual. And, you know, God will use the Holy Spirit to convict us. 
to convict us. You know, it's like he loves us. You know, when you first came to the Lord, and if you, if you got a proper, healthy, spiritual growth process, you just, just feel the love of God, and he's just so good, and everything is wonderful. You know, it's, it's honeymoon time, you know, with the Lord. And then we grow up spiritually, and then God is starting to challenge us about certain behaviors. He becomes the cop. You know, it's like, wait a minute, God, I thought, you know, you just love me. And God's saying, you know what, I love you so much that now, you know, if you do this, then this is what happens, right? God, he is a loving God. He's a God of grace, but he's also a God of truth. Amen? He gives us grace in our early years of spiritual development, but then... He wants us to know the truth because the truth is what's going to set us free. He doesn't want us walking in the bondage of the past. He wants us to know the truth so that we can walk in freedom. And how many of us, we rebel and we say, no, I'm going to do it my way. You know, the flesh rises and is like, no, God, I'm, I'm not going to live by the spirit. I'm going to live by the flesh. And guess, guess what we reap? We reap, you know, the works of the flesh. But for those who say, God, I trust you, we go from the stage of, God, I love you, to, God, I trust you. This doesn't feel good, but I trust you that you know what's best for me. And so we align with the word of God, and it's like, it, it hurts. It's ouch. You know, so how many times has Pastor Tim preached, and, you know, he's stepping all over our toes, you know? And, um, but it's a, good, it's a good hurt, right? It's, a, it's like, I needed that. I needed that, right? It, 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 it's like when you go to the chiropractor, you know, and your back is out, and they adjust you, and it's like, that was painful, but it was good. It was good pain, good kind of pain. And so God comes to us, and he says, now I want you to know me as a God of love, but now I also want you to know me as a God of truth and justice, because God loves us so much. He doesn't want to just leave us babies. He wants us to grow up. And it's during that time, the more we say yes, Lord, and we say no to our flesh, the, the faster we grow, the more mature we become. And God says, wow, not only do you trust me, now I can trust you. And so, you know, it happened with us, you know, Townsend at, uh, how old were you when you got your driver's license? 16. At 16, you know, he proved himself and, and, you know, when we told him, Townsend, you don't do this, you don't do that, you know, and, and he trusted us. Now, when he came to be 16, we could trust him with greater responsibility. And he could drive and, you know, he, he could do some work and he could make some money. And, you know, he's maturing. Any healthy person that's not maturing I tell you, we got we to gotta identify if there's any arrested development in our relationship with the Lord and say, God, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get unstuck and I'm gonna, I want to grow in you because I want to be all that you created me to be. Amen? How odd, how weird would it be for me to still brush Townsend's teeth, to still feed him food, right? God is, wants us to grow and mature spiritually, but yet so many people in the body of Christ are still babies for some reason or another. And we're going to identify that. Okay, the number three um, uh, stage of parenting. Um, so we've got the nurturer and the discipline giver. Then we have the cop. Then we have the coach. In the um, uh, kids, when, when they get to be uh, young adults, you know, they grow into young adulthood, 18 and up. Now they, uh, you become their coach. You no longer stay their nurturer. And I tell you what, if you didn't discipline them the first 12 years, it's not going to work very much at 18. How many of you tried to discipline a young adult and they kind of looked at you like, who are you? Right? It. You missed your window. If, if, they, if they didn't get it in the first 12 years, you missed your window. I tell you, it's so important that we understand. So then we move into, we're more of a coach. Adults who are properly nurtured and, and disciplined and monitored, 
they grow up into maturity and responsibility. So now we, we're just there to help them be better, to help them be stronger, to sharpen their skills, to sharpen, you know, their gifts that God has given to them and to encourage them to be their cheerleader, you might would say, right? You're doing great. You're doing good. Now, don't do this. You know, this is going to hurt you if you do it this way, right? And, um, but do this. You know, this is going to be good for you. And so, um, and God does the same thing for us. You know, as we continue to mature and grow spiritually, God becomes our coach. And I love that, you know, because he is always on the sidelines telling us where to go, what to do, how to do it. Amen. If we just hear, hear his voice, but so many people are frustrated so many people in the body of Christ are frustrated because they're like, I can't hear the voice of God. What are you talking about? You know, when I'm in a situation, I, you know, I can talk to God all day long. He, he's not talking back to me. It's because maybe we skipped the first phase. That we get to understand and hear the voice of God through his love, through his nurture, through his discipline. When we don't ignore his voice, when he, we go through that cop stage, you know, if, we, if God tells us, if he brings correction to us and we ignore it and we say, God, you know, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just going to do it my way anyway. Guess what? God's going to be like, okay, you're on your own. But then when we get into, we want to continue to grow spiritually and we want to go to the next level and we're like, God, how do I do that? You know, how, how do I do that? We want to be spiritually grown, you know. We want to be, you know, up here teaching and preaching or whatever, you, you know, it is that you may be wanting to do, and, but you can't hear from God. That's because maybe there's something that was skipped over, and we need to go back and say, God, I want to know you. Because, see, God is not interested on how big and grown we are and what we can do for him. He's more interested in our relationship with him, in who we are, out of our identity and knowing who we are and knowing that he loves us. Out of that, he wants us now to live our lives and to minister and to be a blessing to others. Amen? So, and then the last uh, phase of parenting is um, best friend. You know, when, uh, when Townsend one day, he meets his um, wife, you know, um, he is going to get married and have kids, so now we can be best friends. You know, so many people want to be their kid's best friend when they're little, and that's not the right time. You know, just wait, wait, be patient, and if you've done everything properly, you will enjoy some amazing friendship with your children. And so, um, and you know, not only a best friend, but a consultant, you know, where they can come to you for advice, you know, that you can help them raise their kids, right? For those of you who are in that stage, you understand what that's all about, all the wisdom, right? And so, you know, God wants us to get to this stage with him where not only do we know his love, we know what's right and what's wrong, and we do what's right and what's wrong and not what's wrong. And, you know, we, we know that we can hear his voice, we can listen, and we can follow his leading, but now he says, I want you to know me as your best friend. I want you to know, I want you to know that you can come to me with anything, any question, any dilemma, any issues, you can come to me, and I'll give you wisdom. And you know what? All the answers, all the provision, everything, all the joy, all the peace, all the healing, all the deliverance is already in our spirit. Did you know that? That Jesus, when he died, he deposited in our spiritual bank account all the salvation, all the deliverance, all the healing, all the provision, all the love, all the joy, all the peace that we need, the abundant life. Did you know that? The abundant life is already being deposited in your spirit. It's in you. If you're a born-again believer, if you're a child of God, there is some amazing things that God has deposited in your spirit. Are you experiencing those in your soul and in your body? 
And that's what God is saying tonight. There's some, something in there that if you're not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus has come to give you, there, there is something that we got to go back, okay? It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you went through school and you missed, you know, a lot of school in second grade for some reason, and you missed those, uh, let's say, in math, those principles, you're not going to do good in math in sixth grade, right? Or eighth grade. You know, it's going to hinder you because in second grade, I don't even know what you do, but probably addition and multiplication, right? You need that. How can you do math? How can you do life without knowing how to add and subtract and, and multiply, right? You can't go to college without, no, so you got to go back to second grade and say, I'm going to get this so I can move on to where I need to be. And so I believe that spiritually God is saying, I love you so much. And I want you to experience my love, to get a revelation of my love. And if you're not, see, the love of God brings in the provision of what he has already deposited in our spiritual bank account. Amen? And the, the way we access that is by faith and knowing that it's ours for the taking because he loves us. He, he put all of that in us, in our spirit, because he loves us just like you love your kids. Just like I love my kids. Everything that I have, they can have. All that's mine is yours. They live in my house. They eat my food. They, you know, I clothe them. I, I give them everything that they need. They, they lack nothing because I love my children and because I'm a good parent. Amen? And God is saying, I want the world to look at you and to say, their God is a good God. Their God is loving because I see love in them. They, they've gone through so much, through so many difficulties, that there's no way that, that this love can be manufactured by them. This is, this is a love that I, I want to know about. This is a joy that I, I need to know more about. And so that's how the world is going to be drawn to us as the church. And see, it's important that, you know, when Jesus, you know, he's, he's calling us to follow him, he says, you know, now he wants us to invite others to follow Christ as they follow us. See, people are not going to follow Christ if they don't see Christ in you and me. Amen? We, we have to... Reveal Christ, and Christ is love, to the world. Amen? And, and then the world will say, I want to follow you as you follow Christ. I want to be a Christian as well. And so I want to challenge us to really get back more like to the basics and go back to these stages and say, you know, just really say, God, am, have I had a healthy spiritual growth. And the reason, one of the reasons why I'm doing this, I'm sharing this word with you. I teach Discover Embassy class, and that is a class for um, those who are new here at the embassy. And so we want them to come and hear more about the church and our history and our vision and where we're going and what God is doing. Well, how many of you know that Christian embassy is not a building it's not a board. It's not even the pastor. Christian Embassy is you guys. So when people come to discover Embassy, they discover themselves. Surprise! <laughs> you know, if you've come through the Discover Embassy class, you're like, you know, I discovered more about myself than I did about the church. Because you are the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. So I trick them. I trick everybody who comes in there. And I say, well, we're going to talk about the church. And then I flip it and I say, we're going to talk about you. We're going to find out. And so what's so surprising is that, you know, as we, I have to, you know, as, as a spiritual mother, that the role of a spiritual mother that I have, because I'm, I'm a woman, I'm nurturing, 
you know, I want to identify where is everyone spiritually. Because we have, we're so blessed. We have people from, um, you know, different, all kinds of denominations that come to this church. We have people who actually grew up atheist, agnostic, um, Catholic, you know, all, all kinds of faiths, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Methodist, you know, Pentecostal. So everybody comes from all different walks of life, and everybody had a different spiritual upbringing. But we're more concerned with your spiritual formation and your spiritual growth than the actual growth of, you know, so we can say we have, oh, we have thousands going to Christian embassy. Because what did Jesus do? Jesus engaged with people individually. Jesus, you know, he, he called the 12 disciples. He invited the disciples to follow him, right? He, he was always inviting people. Hey, go with me to this wedding. Hey, go with me over to this dinner. You know, he built relationships with people. And then those, as he invested his time into these people, these people became disciples. They had the proper spiritual growth, so now they wanted to go, because guess what? When Townsend gets married and when our kids get married, they're healthy, and they're going to want to have their own kids. Healthy people grow up to be healthy adults who will reproduce. Healthy Christians who have had the proper spiritual development, there is a natural desire that we want to reproduce. We're going to want to make disciples. Amen? And we're, you know, and it's, it's a natural thing. We don't have to say, well, how am I going to do this? You know, it's a, it should be natural because out of the love that we have experienced, out of the love of God, we're going to love people, right? Because God uses people. You may, you know, when I was writing my notes, I was like, oh, no, maybe I should put spiritual disciplines as one of the ways that we grow first. Because isn't that what we're taught? We're taught, read your Bible, worship the Lord every day, and pray. And, you know, whatever other spiritual discipline you were told, you know, attend church, you know, uh, give, you know, to the work of the Lord. Those are spiritual disciplines which are very important. Just like taking a shower. I have taught my kids how to take a shower, how to brush their teeth, how to get dressed, you know, how to take proper care of themselves. That's part of the disciplines. But you do that without nurture and love and discipline and it's not work. And so that's why I put people first. Because you know what? God needs us to nurture and to discipline people, to disciple people into the kingdom. But the reason we're not doing it like we should, maybe it's because we don't know because we didn't get it right ourselves. You know, dysfunction breeds dysfunction. And so I, I hope I made it as, as simple as possible for you to understand that we have to take a, you know, a look at our spiritual life and say, where am I at? Do, do I have a revelation of the love of God? Do I understand how much God loves me? And do I love God? Do I respond to that love? Do I love him? And then, you know, when God speaks to me and gives me instructions, when I'm doing something that's not pleasing to him and the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder, do I obey him or do I just do my own thing? Do I trust him? Do I trust God to know that he, he's God and he knows what's best for me? Or do I try to do things my way? And can God trust me? Am I responsible enough to be a discipler? Am I responsible enough for God to trust me with somebody else's spiritual formation? Wow. But I tell you, I know this is tough. You know, Jesus was actually, you know, he was teaching this kind of stuff. And 
he had, you know, he had, besides the 12 disciples, he had a lot more because they were growing. He had 100, 120. He had, he had hundreds. But there's a place where it says that some of the disciples said, Jesus, this teaching is too hard for us. We're gone. Bye. So they left him. They're like, this is too much for us. This is too hard. We're, we're, we're out of here. <laughs> we're not going to be your disciples. I mean, it is possible for us to say, God, I'm just not going to do it. I don't believe it's hard. You know, I follow the Lord all my life. And I love it. The more I, I follow him, the more I love him, the more I serve him, the better he gets. I mean, it's like, what's not to love about a God who is so good? What's not to want to live for? I mean, this is the only thing that you'd want to live for. I love what Steve Green said uh, when we were this last weekend in Washington, D.C. at the Culture Shapers um, Summit. He's the son of the owner of Hobby Lobby, which, you know, God has blessed into a multi-billion dollar um, business. And um, the, the guy who was interviewing him uh, asked him, um, did you ever rebel? Did you ever, you know, go out there and get wild and do your own thing? Um, just, you know, turning away from God. You know, I guess he was looking for a testimony in there. And um, he said, actually, no. He said, um, my parents uh, never pushed their faith on us, but they modeled it. They modeled their faith, and we wanted what they had. They never pushed their faith on us. Now, that's what we want in our homes, in our families, in, with the people around us. We don't, God doesn't need us to go push and be, you know, forceful on people. God wants us to be the light, to be the salt, to be the love of God to people. And people are going to say, I, I, want, I, I want to do what you're doing. Just like Steve said, you know, he said, I, I wanted, I loved my parents, and they showed their faith, and I wanted their faith to be my faith. Now, that is living a blessed life, and it's easy. We have to participate in it. It's not always, God, do this for me. God, why aren't you doing this? Or why don't you hear my prayer? I believe we have a big responsibility because that's part of growing up. Amen? But it's healthy. We should desire to grow up. We should desire to mature. We should desire to be better and to experience more of God. And the more mature that we get, the more we're going to be able to tap into that provision that he deposited in our bank account in the spirit. Just like Townsend, you know, the more he, the uh, bigger he got and the more responsible he got, you know, the more things we were able to release to him and to trust him with. Amen? And so God wants to release more. He has more for you. If, if you don't get anything else out of this message, it's just to know that God is inviting you to participate with him to receive more of what he has for you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Thank you so much. You guys were listening so good. I, I got carried away. This felt like 10 minutes. This is awesome. I, I just want to invite you, um, if, if this word spoke to you, and, you're, and, and if you say, Lord, I want to be not only a mature follower and disciple of you, but I want to disciple others. I want you to show me people around me who need to be nurtured, who need to be um, raised up to follow you. I just, I want us to go to the Lord and I just want us to just pray tonight and say, God, we dedicate our lives to you. Let's just pray right now. Father, we dedicate our lives to you right now. Lord, we hear your word. We hear your invitation, God. We live in a world that's surrounded, Lord, with so much pain, void of your love. And God, you have chosen us as your ambassadors as your instruments lord to release that love to show your love to the world and god tonight we answer that call we hear the call we answer that that call lord if there is any area in our lives lord where we have lagged behind 
and not participated with the process of growing up spiritually. Father, we want to align ourselves right now. And Lord, we want to say yes to you. We, we don't want to continue delaying our spiritual growth. But Lord, we want to participate and to say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, you know what's best for us. So we're going to follow you. We're going to do what you say do. And we're not going to do what you say don't do. And Lord, we surrender our lives to you. Not only do we want you to be our Savior, but we want you to be our Lord. We want you to rule and to reign in our lives. No longer our flesh, no longer our desires, but Lord, your desires. What do you desire of us, God? Lord, we want to follow you, Lord. And as we follow you, Lord, we want to invite people to follow you, as, to follow us as they follow you, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We, I just pray, God, for a, a, an anointing, God, a fresh anointing over our lives, Lord, for growth, God, that every seed that has been sown into our spirit and in our, into our minds, into our soul, God, that it would produce much fruit, God, for your glory. Lord, that we would be those oaks of righteousness, that you can display your glory, God. Lord, that... Lord, we're, we're going to have people following us to church, and we're going to be like, this is God. This is of God. It's not us trying to trick people into coming to church or play gimmicks, give them entertainment so they would come. But, Lord, that they are convinced that they need your love, and they would be drawn to you, God. Lord, use us, Lord, in these last days. I believe that we are living in the last days. Use us, Father, in these last days, Lord, to be that light, to be, Lord, a light in darkness, to help people experience your love. So, Lord, we thank you that you're filling us with your love tonight, and we receive it. We receive your love. We receive your call over our lives, God, to go and make an impact wherever we're going, God. Whatever we're doing, Lord, we want to feel your pleasure. We want to feel your, your pleasure, Lord, wherever we are, whether we are uh, at our job, at our desk, out in the marketplace, at home with our kids, Lord. Lord, we want to feel your pleasure and to know, God, that we are where you want us to be, God. Just like we as parents, we can look over our children with pleasure when they're where they're supposed to be, Lord. We want you to look upon us the same way. And say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we live to hear that. We live for that. Lord, I pray that you would help us live up to that. As we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.